Welcome to Bitverse Byte, a weekly podcast about the web industry, tools and techniques upcoming and in use today. My name is Adam Listek, a web developer from Northern California and Central Illinois. If you'd like to help support the show, please tap the link in this episode's description if you're using the Anchor application or visit anchor.fm slash bit-v-byte to become a monthly supporter. So jumping into it uh, with some news. Google lost its EU uh, bundling battle, or I should say its antitrust battle. Uh, basically, they had an antitrust lawsuit brought against them by the EU, and due to this, uh, they're required to offer Google services without Search and Chrome included. So to comply with this, they're allowing phone manufacturers to license the Google suite of products by itself. But this is without the Search and Chrome built in. So to prepare for this, they've created a voice action services application that kind of separates out some of the functionality to allow for a very basic voice assistant on the phone, but it can't do the web services and those types of things that rely on Google Search. But of course, if you go to the Google Play Store, you can add that functionality back in by installing the required applications. It just won't come as a default. It's an approach that I think is a good one. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about this at the uh, end of the news and some resources, but it should be interesting. Google Keep Notes gets a material design refresh. So continuing along the line of Google applications, getting one of these refreshes, Google Keep is up next. It's a much starker design than before. And although cleaner in many ways, I do tend to agree with some of the criticism that it's just too stark in its design. I like more contrast between elements and it's a bit, you know, maybe toning it down a bit on how bright it is. If they brought dark mode to all the apps, then that would be amazing, but unfortunately not quite there yet. Uh, but it, it's nice that they're making sure that they're, you know, leaning into these applications, but at the same time, yeah, it would be nice to have a bit more color, or at least a bit more contrast between the elements. Uh, finally, after another piece of Google news, um, they have Google Discovers rolling out to Google.com on the mobile web. So if you actually navigate to Google's site while on a uh, mobile device, it's going to start showing this Google Discover, which is really just a rebrand of uh, the Google feed. So a number of cards uh, containing relevant topics below the search bar, and you can kind of see what's going on. It's really like if you have the Google application itself in its feed and its discover uh, you know, functionality within there, but it's now going to show itself on the actual website, which is different. It's not an app to install. It's the actual site itself. It'll be interesting to see where they go with this and how they might incorporate this in the desktop, but they're really trying to prepare for what does search look like in the next 20 years or so? And the, the last big news that's coming out is that WordPress 5.0 uh, is at beta 1. So there's a lot to unpack in the upcoming WordPress 5.0 release, but beta 1 is just officially released a few days ago. The target for the full release is now November 19th. It'll include a lot of updates, not only with the WordPress editor, you know, in its most visible aspect of change, which is Gutenberg, as its default, but also, you know, there's a big effort around trying to get people to update their PHP versions, just lots of smaller code updates as well. 
But if you are um, leery about Gutenberg becoming the default, uh, it's recommended that to keep the default editor after the upgrade to 5.0, you install the classic editor ahead of time. Uh, it'll help you kind of do a managed transition. So that's my plan, is I'm going to install that on all of the sites that I manage uh, and so that I can incrementally start moving that back uh, to see if Gutenberg's going to work well. I don't want to hold up progress and, you know, moving to it, but I have to manage user expectations a bit. And so hopefully we'll move in that direction, but got to make sure everything still works. And with that, Gutenberg 4.1 is the in release candidate, and that's the build that will be the final build for WordPress 5. So it's got a number of things in it that has helped to refine the experience. That's a block navigation system to kind of easily help you find parent and child blocks within a section. It's basically a navigation item you can click and it shows you kind of a tree view. Uh, media and text block to have these side by side. So, you know, on the left side you have a piece of media and on the right you have like a quote or some text in there and you can kind of swap things around, resize, that kind of stuff. Uh, they have a renamed cover block that can do background video with overlays and text on top. Uh, pretty slick interface actually overall. Uh, it's got a lot of accessibility fixes. One thing they mentioned was they spent a ton of time on getting the uh, date picker uh, very accessible. Uh, so there's a lot of refinement in it. Uh, we still are at release candidate, so a little bit more to go. And I have no doubt that there will be a bunch of things uncovered in the coming weeks as to you know, the bugs and features that aren't, aren't quite compatible with uh, 5.0, but we'll find out and we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. And some links and resources that I, I found that have been pretty cool. Um, there's a great article over on Smashing Magazine about headless WordPress. It's not the first time I think I've talked about this, but it's a good article that kind of explores one of the newer trends uh, with WordPress and with any CMS, really. And that's how to use WordPress as the CMS, but it's really the front end is something different. Uh, so, and what this really means, it's just using the REST API to kind of pull the required data, display it on the front end, can give you a lot of flexibility, but there is a lot of convention and thinking changes that come along with it. But a pretty comprehensive article on that, uh, pretty cool. And it's kind of, again, an idea of what you might be able to do with these types of systems to not give up one world, but, you know, try to incorporate some of the newer techniques out there. Uh, there is a game that is hosted on CodePen called The Mine, but what's unique about it is that it's coded entirely in CSS. So it's kind of like a little side-scroller uh, thing, very pixelated pretty much because all the blocks are just basically rectangles in CSS, but I had to include this one. Just It's just kind of crazy to see what someone was able to create per purely in CSS. I I'm very impressed with the fact that it's a functional game without one bit of JavaScript. But kind of cool, but uh, check it out. And uh, links, as always, are all in the uh, description. And finally, the last um, uh, bit of uh, article that I found that I thought was pretty cool. There's a Best of UI uh, October edition, I suppose. And it's on this Product Disrupt blog. Um, and I liked it because it's a good roundup of different UI designs and inspiration. 
And I'm always looking for ideas regarding UI, UX, and what can help enhance designs, not only in how they look, but how they work. And I thought there were some pretty neat examples in there. So just a, a, a quick, you know, read, look through article that has some kind of cool stuff in it, but check it out. So finally, I wanted to talk about the whole Google uh, antitrust loss in the EU and its unbundling of products. So with this loss, they've, they're officially going to have to unbundle Chrome and Search from the default set of Google apps installed. And so to even install those apps, the, the non-Chrome uh, and Search ones, the manufacturers will have to pay a license fee as well. And I heard something like 40 bucks. Uh, so I'm not sure how that cost will be passed on. So that might be interesting. But the question with this is really how does it affect the market if it's a good thing? Uh, for those of us that really like consistency on a platform, Android isn't typically known for that. Though I'm not a, a big fan of Apple products in general, even though I've owned multiple MacBooks over the years, I do envy that consistency in the UI and platform. I have always been a big, uh, huge fan of the stock Android with the Google Apps layered on. Uh, and I, I tend to near instantly attempt to uninstall or get rid of all those carrier-provided apps when I do get a new phone. And it's not only a familiarity for myself, but it just tends to work better. And rarely does a carrier app have any real appeal or functionality over the stock Android ones. So with all that being said, will this unbundling matter much? For those of us that are kind of savvy to the system, it won't be difficult to just install the apps that are missing and regain that functionality. It is really more for those coming to the platform or more casual users expecting the same functionality and unsure where it may have gone when getting a new phone, and that may cause trouble. I do think that forcing the conversation and question about whether Google can do better with accommodating others and trying not to have such a monopoly is certainly the right way to go. Like any company, I'm sure they've tried to corner the market and force others out. And if the intention is to get other search engines in there like DuckDuckGo or Bing, then okay, I guess as long as it's easy enough to change. And the other problem I see that this could send the experience down to potentially more, I suppose, nefarious nation-state intentions where they can load their own apps on there, but you can't really remove or replace, and without Google Apps potentially providing a bit of a firewall, you are stuck routing everything through a questionable application. Now that being said, there are a million other ways to intercept that traffic, so it really may not matter much, but kind of a concern that I could see coming out of this that would affect far more everyday folks. That being said, that is certainly not a reason that uh, not to do this. I just thinking on top of my head, you know, off top of my head, what might be concerns. But I do think that the competition is good. It forces all the companies to evolve and make better products. And Google, Google certainly had a monopoly on this. You know, I like the approach they've taken to base, making basic functionality there. And then to get all of it, you just have to install the other required applications. But if you don't want to do all that, then at the very least, you'll have other options that aren't so baked into the OS and that you can't do anything about it. Now time will tell how this affects the market, not only in the EU, but also eventually in the US as it filters across. But I look forward to watching it and seeing what Google tries to do to continue this. And also I think it will have effects on how products are delivered in the US as well, because it allows a bit more flexibility on Google's side to just split all this functionality out and to be able to give choice back to uh, customers and users of the product.
So follow this podcast on Twitter at BitVBite and Facebook at slash BitVBite. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week.